When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. What's up, y'all? It's Panama. We've got a special episode for you today. Something a little different than you've heard in the last eight episodes, but I think you're going to enjoy the changeup. To bring power Don King to life, I spent a lot of time researching and meditating on Don's story. From his childhood and come up in the boxing game to his complete domination of the sport and his influence on the culture. I mean, Don's story is layered. So to help me make sense of it all, I enlisted some folks to talk it through with me. You're about to hear a conversation with me and my friends, Tahira Henderson, Corey Wilson, and Jabri Griffin, also known as the Ill-Informed Homies. If you're a Power subscriber, you already know what's up. We sat down to chop it up about Don's legacy. We discussed the ways that he showed up and showed out in sports and entertainment, his relationship with Mike Tyson, Don's present-day influence, and finally, we reflect on what his lasting imprint, for better or worse, means to Black culture. I'm Panama Jackson, and from something else, today on Power Don King, it's The Roundtable. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. When I started working on this podcast, I had a pretty negative impression of Don. And it was given to me. Like, I kind of grew up with it handed over to me that Don King was a crook. Don King was somebody who was basically taking everybody's money. And, you know, I don't know that that's wrong, but I also think his legacy is more nuanced than perhaps we treat it on just the first blush. I think it's easy to write somebody off as having done bad things and therefore they're a bad person. But just like with most things, everybody's life is a lot more complicated than that. So I'm going to bring this to you all. So I want to start, start with this. Was Don King good for boxing, Jabri? Don King was great for boxing. He may not have been so great for boxers. (laughs) Okay. You know, I'm sure there's some who would say that they owe Don King everything. But there's too many examples that we know of of shady business dealings to completely ignore that. Corey? 
Don King was definitely good for boxing. I think he he took the sport to new levels. Um, going back to the Rumble in the Jungle, Mike Tyson, you know, taking boxing to places it had never been and places it probably wouldn't have gone without him. So I think he was definitely good for the sport of boxing. Yeah, I would I would agree that he was great for boxing, questionable for boxers, but in one sense, I mean, he pushed the culture and he pushed boxing to superstar status. Boxers were taking those hits to the head one way or the other. You either have enough money to live off of for the rest of your life and become, you know, a million-dollar superstar, or you simply have brain damage and not a lot to show for it. So I think that him pushing boxing into superstar status was great for the sport. Yeah, I think that's probably where I've landed in general, especially the more time I think, like, what he did for boxing and entertainment, not even just boxing, but, like, the entertainment game, cannot be, like, overstated enough. He literally changed the game. Like you said, he took boxing and and events and promotion to heights they had never seen before. Like, I don't think people conceived of these things this way, right? Like, Mike turned it into a show. He made it a spectacle that everybody wanted to be a part of, right? And and like you said to here, I think while we can argue about how much money people should have gotten, and maybe that's not much of an argument, they should have got more, (laughs) but... You are right. That's a very that's a very interesting way to look at it too. It's like you could either have fought these same fights and walked away with ten thousand dollars, or walked away with millions, which many of the the fighters that Don King had under his roster were able to do. So yeah, I, I agree. I I'd be very interested in somebody who said he wasn't good for boxing because I just I don't understand how somebody who put the put boxing on the same pages as the NFL and baseball and basketball, you know, he made boxing. A sexy sport. Right. Right. And I guess you can't you can't take that from him. Don King being good for the sport is something the public and folks in the boxing world can pretty easily agree to. But good for the boxer? Let's get into that. When you think of Don King and Mike Tyson, what are your thoughts about Don and Mike Tyson? I think without Don King. Mike Tyson wouldn't, he wouldn't be the Mike Tyson that we know today. Um, you know, I know a lot of people have a negative perception of Don King, but I think he he was very integral in Tyson becoming the mega star that, that we know uh, him today. When I think of them, I, I think of, you know, a, a dynamic duo that, that ended up changing boxing forever and really taking it to another level. That's what I think. All right. I almost think of uh, like a stage parent you know, where you're not allowed to even exploit people that way anymore. Um, It crossed a lot of boundaries. There was a lot of love. He certainly took him to new heights, but he also used him and used him up. So very much like an abusive stage parent. An abusive stage parent. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. uh, Both of those aspects certainly exist at the same time. Mentor, stage parent who uh, was exploitative. I think that, um, you know, he definitely taught him a lot, taught him the ropes, taught him about the business to an extent. He held some things back that he was able to, you know, continue to exploit. But he did teach him a lot, like how to sell fights, uh, you know, the big, the bad boy image that that Mike started to uh, portray. I think that's Don King's influence, you know, and becoming more brash and loud and in your face. I think that was Don King's influence on Mike. True. I think boxing tends to lend itself to, like, exploiting the disadvantage of the people who need it the most, Right. Well, Mike Tyson seemed like somebody who need people in his corner. Don is like, boom, got him. This is going to be the guy that's going to make me hundreds of millions of dollars. Let me get in there. 
I, I think that's an interesting like because you you view it through a through that lens. Why why didn't why didn't you view it through Don said this is a guy that I can make a hundred million dollars for you. You said this is a guy that can make me money. Maybe Don was looking at like this is a guy that I can make money. This is a guy that I is can. Is this take a to the real question? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, like you, a very real question. Are you actually like, viewing it this you, way? You always, we, I, I feel like people always view it like, oh, he exploited him. He took advantage of him. Why didn't he say, this is a guy who, with me, I could take to the next level. I could make a superstar. How, where's the exploitation in that? Let me ask you a question. You do not think that Don King exploited Mike Tyson? Uh, do I think that he... Uh, no, no, no. Do you think Don exploited Mike Tyson? That is a yes or no question. No. I mean, there are receipts. Like. So, 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 where, where some of the contracts have some language in it or have some clauses in it that weren't favorable to Mike, sure. But see, this, but this is kind of the point. Like, and and I want to hear everybody's take on this too, because so, like, my point was Don kind of works his way into Mike Tyson's life as a figure of sort, as a father figure, as a mentor, somebody who will look after you in a responsible fashion. Mm-hmm. The chaos that I think kind of surrounded Tyson seems to be a byproduct of nobody being there to kind of make sure that he's okay, including people like Don King, who effectively claim to be there just for that purpose. Do you think, and this is all speculative, like Don effectively allowed the chaos to exist to effectively profit and make make as much as he could off Mike as long as he could? Yes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, yes, he was certainly exploited to an extent, but like the closest I can get to Corey's point of view is that's also what sold for him, like like Don King definitely did help Mike Tyson make more money. Yes, but did agreed. but did Mike Tyson see all the money that he should have seen? Probably not. Absolutely not. You know, it's part of why he was bankable as a draw. You know, just making him bigger and larger than life, and that was Don King's influence. Like both things are true, but he was kind of exploited for what he was exploiting. Not that it was of no benefit to Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. That's kind of as close as I can get to your point of view there. <laughs> that he, as close as you can stretch. He to did get benefit, to. but. Did he benefit as much as he should have? I don't think he did. No, he he absolutely didn't. He Don King definitely made him money and made him a star. But the same person being in charge of leading you through the the process of essentially adulthood, manhood, because he really was so young and didn't have anyone else around to be an example to show him how to do it. So I'm going to teach you how to be a man. I'm going to teach you how to be a star. And also I'm going to teach you the business. Essentially, he was all things to Mike Tyson at a certain point, and that's where the exploitation comes in. Absolutely, he could have been, you know, chewed up and spit out and and used and not been a star. Um, so Don King did make him that and did teach him elements of the business. But that's where you kind of become the abusive parent. Like, you know, I am all things to you, and I am teaching you all spaces. You don't know how to navigate life the way other people would without the assistance of this person that becomes your crutch. Do we think Don King, what you know about Don, could exist today? Yes, absolutely. And and I think not only could he exist, I think we'd be better if there was a Don King. I mean, he's still alive, so I don't want to say if there was like a a new version of Don. Somebody who takes the Don King blueprint. Like, could a Don King-esque individual operate the way that he is, the way that he managed to. I don't think so, personally. But I don't think so either. I mean, what, like, what do you think, think will prohibit him from social media? Well, what's keeping Lavar Ball from being great? All right, y'all. Name check. Lavar Ball is the co-owner of Big Baller Brand, and like Don, he's a huge personality whose own star is as big as the brand he's pushing. 
he doesn't have the the same. He this is a different lane. He doesn't have the same blueprint that the Don had. No, it's it's not exactly the same. It's not totally apples to apples. But I mean, but he that's had, a good point actually because I think we are preventing Levar Ball from being mm-hmm. great. Uh, haters, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, but but and I think Don King today would have would have a lot more haters, and they would be able to access him from no. everywhere, right? Like you yeah. would, it's. There's nothing stopping the, the the next Don from coming in, finding a, a young, impressionable athlete, and stepping in and filling whatever void that athlete was looking for. He couldn't take everybody's money the same way, though. Or he could. He couldn't. People were getting people. Uh, athletes, entertainers are still getting. Maybe not to the level. But that's they're what still I'm saying, getting robbed um, currently. But there's probably a there's probably a much shorter shelf life for for the ability to do that. Like you can't do all this stuff with impunity the way that he seems to be able to. Yes, do that. that that heyday has passed. I mean, I think maybe I'm not trying to hit Sean Combs in the drive-by, but ha- has anybody <laughs> ever been happy with a contract they signed with P. Diddy? Apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> but you know that type of mogul, you know, aspect where they control, you know, all parts of your business dealings and stuff. I feel like that is starting to pass. There's not going to be new. Don King's coming up where they manage every aspect and are able to, you know, manipulate your career and all of that. I don't think that's happening again. I, I think that he, you know. Uh, Don King, Sean Puffy Combs, they're all people who play within the margins. And once you know what is possible, you kind of hip to that particular game. I think an- enough time has to pass, and then somebody else is going to exploit us in new ways that we never thought possible with the rise of technology. But you cannot use the same tricks once people become aware of them. Don King had to exist for, you know, for all these others to come to come up. Now Don we probably King flew need a so break. They could all fly in jets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Now we probably need a break, but somebody is going to come and find some new creative ways to exploit us in, you know, ways we never thought possible. Yeah, and I tend to think that it's just there's too much information that too many too many people have access to. Like the news about Don King screwing people over, but being able to get them huge bags of money, it's a cost-benefit. Like, mm-hmm. all right, I heard he's a terrible guy or he's ch- taking our money, but he said it can get me $10 million. I'm going to go, I'm going to risk that $10 million. But now I feel like people cut out the middleman, right? Like, do I even need you to go get that money from right. me? Maybe I can go get that money for myself. Like, why am I, why am I allowing you to take a piece of me when I'm the commodity and I have social media and I have all these fans already? You know, like, I guess I just wonder... I think we're still seeing it. I mean, I I know I see in the news like artists uh, or entertainers and athletes still complaining about their contracts. Megan Thee Stallion was complaining about her contract or something just like last week. Like, so to say that it's not, it's absolutely still happening. And I think in Don's case, you know, he probably could word like some of his exploitation that you guys say he was doing, he probably could word that in a way that, that the person would still sign up for. He's like, look, we're going to take, you know, 2% and we're going to put it over here. He's like, all right, cool. It's just 2%. Like, I think people would go for it, people who aren't um, business savvy. So I think he, he could exist and I think he could still get people with the same tactics he was getting them with before. I think pro bono lawyers would be like, let me take a look at that contract for you. I would love to take a look at that because there are entire organizations dedicated to making sure people do not get screwed over nowadays. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, there are people who want people to not be exploited. That is not something that happened back then. We I didn't see. like it, but we were like, hey, that's part of the game. Now it's like, that shouldn't be the game. The game is not exploiting people. The game is boxing. Like, it should be <laughs> boxing. You know what I mean? I'm not as well-versed in boxing. I don't always get all the fights. I don't always watch them. But for those of you that do, what have you seen 
in the current landscape do you think that Don King had influence on, even if he's not getting the full credit for it? I think he showed guys how much money you can actually make in the sport, right? You, like before, you know, boxers were, they weren't making nearly as much. And he he came into the game and just like, and blew up the purses. And, and people realized that they can be like filthy rich from boxing. So you have guys like, you know, Floyd Mayweather, who are at the top of the Forbes list for athletes, like every year that he was boxing. And I think, you know, a big part of that is because of Don's influence. And and even guys like Floyd, another part where they were influenced is like they promote their own fights now. Floyd Mayweather has like Mayweather promotions. So he he now, you know, using some of that that promotion setup that Don gave him to now be his own promoter, promote his own fights and 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 not keep more of the money. So instead of, you know, having another promoter screw him out of money. He, you know, he's promoting his own fights, following some of Don's blueprints, making, you know, the fights big spectacles, adding, you know, concerts and all that into it to, to hype it up, generate more money, more revenue. So I think guys like uh, Mayweather have directly benefited and learned from from Don's blueprint. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think um, the the idea that it's all a show, like that from the moment, from basically from conception, it's a show and it's building to the ultimate event. And so all of the arguments that come along before it, all of the contract negotiations, all of the even kind of within your own crew, all of these disputes build up a spectacle that gives the people entertainment leading to an event. Um, That was probably a first with Don King, that a show started months before with all of the craziness that led up to the event. And people mm-hmm. want to see that now. What is his legacy in, in the Black community, in our community? What do you think? How do we view Don King? And I'm going to ask you all to speak for everybody, clearly. <laughs> everybody represents the whole. So, right. he, so each one of you can take 12 to 13 million people to represent mm-hmm. for, for this conversation. But, you know, Tahir, let's start with you. What do you, where, what do you, where do you think Don's legacy is in our community? I mean, he his his slogan only in America. He is, you know, capitalism personified, um, and whatever that means to the black community, is it is it a way up for everyone? Does it improve the community? These are all larger questions, and I think we we ask them because of prominent superstars playing it out on a public stage. So a lot of the the issues that we have on a smaller scale. Um, become discussed because of Don King. Um, yeah, only only in America. All of the good and bad that comes along with that. Corey? Yeah, I think his legacy is probably a little tainted in the black community uh, just because I feel like the, the negative uh, things uh, in people's minds have outweighed uh, the positive things. I think people don't necessarily think about uh, his positive contributions to our community, to, to sport, to, you know, to the people he's impacted. So, so I think long term, I think he's, he, if you ask most people, he's probably viewed as, as a bad guy and they see him through like a negative lens. Um, but I don't, I, I think it's unfair. And I think, you know, people probably should view him, uh, you know, in a, in a more favorable manner. But I think it's, it's, it's probably negative right now. Yeah, the positive part of his legacy is in selling and promoting fights, the spectacle of it all. You know, you rattled off those, uh, uh, the Rumble and Jungle Thrill in Manila, you know, the heights of, of Mike Tyson's popularity, that's Don King. Um, the negative part, which maybe is even a positive when you finally, when you get to the end of it, is that people are more careful with their business dealings. 
You know, people <laughs> are paying attention to these contracts. Um, you know, another positive thing is, you know, the black power, the black business aspect of it too. But, you know, people pay attention to those contracts and make sure that there's not those little clauses or they try to if they have the, you know, the right representation. They try to make sure that they're not going to have one of those Don King, he's going to eat off of me the rest of my life uh, uh, clauses in their contract. So that's that's part of his legacy. You know, I doing this podcast has been very eye-opening when it comes to that because all of us were old enough to remember the Don King years, at least some part of it, you know what I mean? And I, I wonder if he only exists in boxing circles nowadays. Because, for instance, even doing this pod, there's not a ton out there about Don King at this point. There's He hasn't written a biography. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only one book about him, and I don't know if that's because Don sues everybody or not. Like, I have no idea if People he's just like... Write about I mean, I think that might mm-hmm. be it, but I, I don't actually know. You know, it's it's... It's just so curious because I feel like you don't hear Don's name anymore at all. And for somebody who impacted the culture in such a way that was undeniable, that literally he was a household name as a boxing promoter for decades. It's so interesting to me that for the past 20 years, he's just he's a ghost. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I wonder if the younger generation even understands that his legacy is making sure that you don't get screwed in your contracts or that the savvy that athletes have nowadays that they're probably passing down to newer athletes is because of what happened then and people not wanting to be Mike Tyson, right. not wanting to have to go sue somebody for $100 million that you're never going to get, right. or Tim Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that people don't understand how amazing it was as a black man to be this business entity in and of himself and do it in the ways that he did it 100% his way for all those years. Now, that, you know, what that his way is and how that looks to individuals involved, you know, that you you can't separate that legacy from that. But I think you're right. Like, it's, that is something that today we would celebrate. I've, I probably listened to more interviews from Don King than most people have in a very long time at this point for this project. And it's interesting, even the way he talks, you know, it's like, that culture exists now. The way these athletes are personalities and all this mm-hmm. stuff, like, he brought that to the game too. Like, he... All of these things that Don King was, that maybe he got in pieces from other people, but maybe that he brought, is all a part of sports and entertainment nowadays. And I just don't know that he gets any of that credit. Like, you just don't hear people talking about Don King like they used to. I feel like we should, the good and the bad. Like, I think I think his legacy needs more balance. Mm-hmm. I think it shouldn't—I right. don't think it should be good all the way, I think. <laughs> but I definitely think there should be more balance. I wonder if that is a little bit by design, though. I mean, part of— his allure was he made himself into a caricature and didn't want people to know the real him. They didn't, he didn't, he wanted people to know he had money, never how much. Like, you know, he would have been one of the people who would have fought against Forbes telling his exact net worth and wealth. Um, And part of the way he was able to make so many deals and do things that people didn't ever think was possible is because they didn't really see him fully. I mean, you know, right now, isn't he making money on the the Fox News Trump circuit? Like, I mean, he just bought a fight, so he's still promoting too. Like, he's still out here, but and he and, definitely came out in support of Trump. I yeah. do remember that. Trump is a friend of his. He was, you know. But you you never know what to expect from him, and you never know what he has up his sleeve. And I would imagine that he still thinks there's money to be made, and this, um, this you know, kind of uh, being um, elusive benefits him. And so it it is by design that uh, we still only get to see caricatures of him.
doing this roundtable discussion thing that we've done, we've been talking about Don and all these other pieces. Has any of it changed your perspective on Don at all? Like, or is it is it still where it was, but more nuanced? Has it changed any any of that? I did not realize that so many civil rights leaders <laughs> wrote for him to be pardoned. And that surprised me because I, I had just a, a pretty negative view of Don King before um, coming into it. Um, and so I, I kind of had to question why um, and look at some of the nuances and realize that he was a more a new, more nuanced person with, you know, some good and bad sides. Um, so I think my my opinion of him has shifted. Yeah, my opinion of him definitely changed. Um, you know, I think, I, yeah, coming in, I probably had a, a negative perception of him. But then, you know, once I started diving in and reading and researching, I'm like, yeah, this dude ain't that bad. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I kind of like him. You know, I could, I, I could see, you, I could see where he was going with this. So uh, I'm way more sympathetic to to who he is and and, and what he did um, than I was at the beginning. I think I just had the the narrative that was given to me um, from like my dad and stuff. You know, even though yeah. I was old enough to watch sports at the time and I was watching these Mike Tyson fights. I probably wasn't old enough to understand the business of sports. So, like, that stuff, you know, I would get from just hearing my dad or my uncles or my cousins talk about it. And I think, like, they they gave, they put that that negative perception in my head. So that's what I had until I really, you know, started to look at it myself. And, and, I, and I think my, my perception of him changed for sure. Yeah, uh, my perception changed as well. Um, I think that most of my opinions were based on what I saw through the media and what the media fed me about Don King. Um, and knowing more about him, it just comes down to what do you feel about the morality of taking advantage of your leverage in business dealings, which is that that right. that's what he did. If he could, pardon the expression, if he could bend you over, he did. <laughs> so, you know, is that immoral in business? Lots of businessmen do that. Business people right. do that. And so if you feel like it's wrong, you have a negative opinion of Don King. So, but, you know, I feel like my opinion of Don King is, is more well-rounded Mm-hmm. as I learned more about him than it was before because it was very myopic what I saw in the media. Yeah, there's a great quote in here from the FBI agent that we spoke with who said that, you know, Don told him, like, you know, I didn't break the rules. You just don't like the rules, mm-hmm. right? Like, Don basically operated within the sphere that yeah. he could, right? Yeah. It's don't hate the player, hate the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just happened to be the best one playing it. But that does get into the morale. Like, like who you are as a business person dictates how mm-hmm. successful you can be. And I think this is not unique to Don King, right? Like, right. <laughs> you know, almost everybody who's been very successful has had to step on people in some way, shape, or form to get where they are. And and I'm assuming, let me say, I'm assuming that people, <laughs> yeah. that it's very hard to ascend to the highest heights without, you know, having to step on some people's backs to get there in whatever, whatever way that is. I mean, history has borne that out over and over again. Don's story in this series as a whole have been really enlightening and entertaining. I hope you all took something away from the episodes. Stay tuned to this feed for more seasons of Power and check out season one, The Maxwells, and season two, Hugh Hefner, if you haven't already. That's it for this season of Power Don King. If you love the show, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps new listeners find the show. Power Don King is hosted by me, Panama Jackson. The producer for this show is Tiffany Walker. Our theme song is by Nolan Schneider. Engineering and scoring by Will Short at Spoke Media. Special thanks to Hamza Umerji, Kyra Asabe Bonsu, Lizzie Jacobs, Tom Koenig, 
Grant Irving, and Steve Ackerman.